Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. This is How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter on Joy 94.9, the show answering the questions you didn't even know you had. This week's guest is Graham Ho, the owner-operator of Melbourne-based multidisciplinary florist Tweed Twigs. Graham creates beautiful and very unique bouquets and arrangements for weddings, as well as being an architect. We talk about whether practicing architecture informs his floristry, the sensory experience of flowers, and we take a little peek behind the curtain when it comes to designing and installing wedding flowers. I think the smell, the style, and the memories that come to flowers are the things that will last a lot longer after the flowers have wilted. And these are the memories that you create. I think one of the very interesting things is that I was going through my mom's photo album the other day and just looking at wedding photos and I was like, oh my god, you had that orchid cascading bouquet that was so hip in the 80s <laughs> and, it's, and it's the best. And she said, oh yeah, uh, like I remember like the feeling of the ribbon against my hands as I was walking down the aisle. I think these are the memories that are associated with flowers that last far beyond the actual physical flowers and I think that's what I want to create and I think honestly for someone getting married on the day itself you lose all the details there's so many other things that happen to you but there are certain things that you pick up that the kind of sense of nervousness just before you walk down the aisle that three roses that you know you see that kind of look back at you and I think those are the memories and when you look at the photos I'm like oh I had that I had this conversation with Graham about how I want like grassy textures in it and he included bunny tails that that I saw when I was growing up along the coast. Graham has been creating customized floral arrangements that often have personal significance for his clients though even before starting Tweed Twigs flowers were special to Graham he talks more about that. My grandmother loves flowers. And I remember when she was babysitting me when I was a young kid, she, she was always tending to a garden and I would just follow her and I would just walk around. And so I've always felt that I had this interest in flowers. One of the things that I remember very fondly, my, one of my first memories of flowers was that my dad always used to buy lilies for my mom. And he would always bring me along to the nursery or the wholesale or the florist just to pick up a bunch of lilies on my mom. I think the special thing about flowers is that they evoke a sense of memory in a person. And I think it's incredibly personal. So for me, it was kind of waking up early in the morning. And the first thing that I would smell in the house was the smell of the oriental lilies. Because, you know, the, the, the scent is quite strong. I knew that I wanted to work with flowers because I enjoyed running around the, the nursery, you know, being able to see all these flowers in season and picking stuff up. So how did it go from following around his grandmother and exploring nurseries with his dad to personally working with flowers? So I was born and raised in Singapore and I came to Melbourne primarily to finish off my university degree in architecture. And that's something that I've always been you know, interested in and been studying for all this time. But interestingly enough, I realised that I needed to do something else because I just had too much time on my hands. You know, architecture school is rough, but I felt like I needed to do something on the side just to make myself not think about school all the time because it is very stressful. So what I ended up doing was to work at a market florist on the weekend. So one day every weekend on a Saturday, 
in the mornings or so just to work with flowers. And I think having that introduction into flowers and into that kind of commercial market really helped me to understand. It is very busy. You kind of first in, first out. You kind of wrap up flowers. The kind of bouquets that we made were not anything spectacular, but those were something that it really helped me understand the seasons. I came from Singapore, so we had no seasons at all. Everything was just hot and humid. No, I apologize. We have a wet season and we have a dry (laughs) season, but it's consistently 30 degrees there. Oh no, I would hate that. Yeah, it is humid and it is not great. And flowers don't last quite as long. So ever since when I came here as a student to Melbourne, I think being able to work in a market 365 days a year and you understand the four seasons, I think that to me was the most appealing part about flowers because you would think that flowers come in seasons, spring, summer, autumn and winter, but it is so varied, you know, the slight change in weather, tulips come into bloom a little bit earlier and when the first frost hits, that's when all your dahlias kind of go off of season. So it was so interesting to me to understand the seasons, even though I knew fundamentally how it works, but understanding the transition of the flowers, what was available and even the more the very minute details that maybe white tulips will be out first because those were the first ones to bloom. And these are the first signs of spring when you see um, daffodils in the market. So I think that to me was the most interesting part about working with the flowers. How did that actually happen? Did you think to yourself, oh, I really want to work with flowers or yeah. did, did that job appear or how did you so, find that? So ever since when I was young, I've always been interested in flowers. I think that's something that has kind of followed me through as I was growing up. So I knew that, I guess, once I was studying architecture, I felt like I needed something to distract myself from the vigorous work that architecture school gave to me. And I almost wanted something that's completely different that was not related. I have friends who there were like student architects in a firm. And they wanted to do something that was very like a bit closer to their trajectory in Korea. But I felt like I wanted something different. I just wanted to be able to not think about it, but also to do something with my hands. And so working with flowers was the first thing that came to mind. And I just applied. I applied to, I don't know, 50 florists. And someone with no background, I don't think anyone would have hired. But I think at that time, I think it was just picking up. I think someone was just picking up for the market florists. And they just needed an extra set of hands. And they were happy for someone to just knock around and just constantly ask questions. I never really branched up beyond that until... I had the opportunity to do my friend's wedding. So I knew I could do the work. Um, and she trusted me. God knows why she trusted me. But it was such a great experience because I think at that time, there's a lot of doubt. And I constantly, I remember thinking about how important it was for someone else. I think that was the most interesting part. But I remember redoing her bouquet at least four times with a time limit. I kept thinking that it wasn't good enough. And that to me was... A very interesting experience, which I've never had as a market florist, but I think one thing that really struck me where I knew that, okay, this is something I really have to pursue and do was, so I was invited to the wedding as well, and I was actually the first one to see her in her wedding gown because I brought the flowers to her. Seeing her hold my flowers for the first time, I was like, oh, I got very emotional I think that's how maybe fathers might be when they see their daughter walking down the aisle or something, but... It was almost like, oh, this is happening. And it felt like such a great honor to be part of the wedding and to be included in such a personal part as well. And I think that was what really struck me at that point. And I felt that, okay, this was something that I really wanted to do. And almost like chasing that high and that emotion every single time. Sounds a little bit like a drug, but I think it's a very healthy one to have. 
And four years later, four to five years later, here I am, I guess, set up with the own business and doing a couple of very select weddings a year so I don't burn myself out. What started as a way to keep busy and utilise his creativity differently to architecture led to a wedding. That then led to starting his company. I asked Graham whether he thought his architecture informed his floral design and vice versa. I think subconsciously it has. It is something that I've always had the back of my mind when it comes to doing new work, especially that I'm more aware about it now. So in architecture, we deal a lot with human scale and space and how much space is allocated. But I think it is the understanding of how space means to an individual. So I think that has really translated into my floristry work. And I think one of the things that architecture has really kind of influenced my floristry is just the understanding of light, just understanding on how light transforms the space and how certain colours look in in the morning and evening. Those are two different kinds of light. You get blue light, you get golden hour, and it's and it really kind of changes what kind of kind of flowers or even table linen that you use. So all these subtleties I think has really helped me to understand flowers in a completely different way that I think a traditional florist would not think about. Armed with a unique way of working with flowers and an evident passion, Graham curates a select few weddings a year. Before we get to what it's like in the lead up to and on the wedding day, I asked Graham how he figures out exactly what his clients want. So sitting down with the client, it, it usually takes me about two or three individual meetings with the client. That's how I work anyways. I usually do have an initial kind of conversation with the client just to have a chat about what she likes, what her, what she what she thinks the color, color may be, what are things she enjoys. And I think for me, one of the most important thing is to kind of instill an emotional connection to the flowers. So you talk about, oh, what are the flowers that you grew up with? Or what's the first flower that your partner might have given to? you and kind of bring kind of that emotional connection to flowers that might just be more than just a bunch of roses and what I do is that I go back to rate kind of like a mood board and what I think they will like. It might be introducing a colour palette that is still kind of within their zone, but taking it to the next level. So putting in like a surprise pop of colour and something that they might not have expected. So I think that's when maybe my architectural side kind of comes in a little bit. Because I think a lot of things, like it's easy enough to create beautiful things that you can find on Pinterest. I think anyone with a skilled pair of hands can do that. But what I want to do is create a very intimate connection to the flowers that is uniquely yours to that couple and make it a very personal kind of extension of their event. Now Graham talks all about the work that goes on behind the scenes leading up to and on the wedding day. Where the work really comes into play is about two weeks before the wedding. So two weeks before, I will be placing an order with the wholesaler to find out what flowers are available and if the flowers that we have selected for the bride aren't available maybe because of a bad season or something. That's when we really have to start looking to replace certain things. So it's almost like a wheel has kind of started in motion and we're kind of pushing forward. The real wedding work, if the wedding's on a Saturday, the real wedding work begins on really on a Thursday. Pick up the flowers. We spend the whole of Thursday conditioning, prepping the flowers, giving the flowers a drink. Friday, we check whether any of the flowers have died because, you know, there's a, there are always casualties that happen. Oh no! And you, and 
and you panic for two hours and you start calling people and asking people whether they have stuff available. But usually, usually it's okay. Usually there aren't like freak storms or like a sudden frost that happens. And I hate doing weddings in summer because heat just like just kills stuff immediately. So Friday is usually when we make the arrangements. I usually always do the bridal bouquet first because that is the most important part. And if it's the first thing I do, my concentration is at its peak. So I do the bridal bouquet first and then I start doing everything else. And then Saturday, we deliver the flowers or the personal flowers to the bride. We go to the venue. If there's an installation, we set that up. What people often don't realize is that we have a very limited time at venues. We are usually given an hour to do an archway on installation, a hanging installation or something. And it's something we've, we've kind of worked out to a T. So the kind of planning kind of happens two weeks before where the first 15 minutes we are doing this. We are creating the structure. The next 15 minutes we are putting the roses in. The next 15 minutes we are cable tying something to the column. And it's very periodic, which is very interesting because what I usually do is that when I've helped during those days I have a very trusted confidant to set up a timer for 15 minutes and to alert me and to scream at me and tell me 15 minutes is up you have an hour left it's it's very project run it's a very project runway moment love it um but also it's slightly terrifying because you know that at 6 30 that's when people are coming and there's no kind of leeway at all so we kind of work towards that one hour like it's a mad dash you kind of work towards that finish line and what sometimes I don't realize after is that oh my god I've got a cut on my hand and like you know like these are things that you kind of don't realize in that adrenaline rush but then you look back in that last five minutes before the couple comes in and you're like oh oh my god I did that and it's you know it's a fully functional hang installation with 500 roses in it or something and it's a real testament to I guess how much you can do in that small period of time and it's it's a labor of love the strange thing is that that doesn't end what happens is that we end up waiting so well you know your happy couple aren't doing the first dance, having the first meal, doing the speeches and everything. We are just waiting behind for the next three or four hours, waiting till they're done, going back after everything's done to tear down, to bring everything home. And the next day, it doesn't end. We kind of prep the flowers to either be donated to maybe a local charity or something, or otherwise it needs to be like disposed at a compost somewhere. So really, it happens over like four or five days. It's a one celebration for four hours, but it kind of stretches. What do you mean when you say conditioning? So conditioning a flower means preparing a flower for its ultimate arrangement. So for example, when it comes with roses, you when you buy roses from the supermarket, if they're not conditioned, what it means is that it is still filled with thorns. It is filled... All the leaves right. are still in there. So what we're doing is that we are prepping flowers so that we can give them a fresh drink. What people don't realize is that when you buy flowers from like a market or a supermarket, what you need to do is cut the stems again because the flower stems, once they're being cut, they form like a seal at the tips. So they're not able to drink as much water as they can. So we give them a fresh cut so they can drink. And conditioning flowers also means that sometimes when your roses come in, they're they're a bit tight. So you don't they're not at the the most optimum shape you want to put them in a warm space to let them bloom a little bit further and if it's an event installation you basically want your flowers at their pristine best at that short period of time so you're kind of working towards that you assess the condition of the flowers whether you know this bunch is moldy or you may need to replace or the leaves on the camellia are just not working well so conditioning actually takes a lot more time and it's not the fun thing you end up with a heap <laughs> of leaves and thorns and because i'm working in a home studio it's in a mess and no it's one messy. cleans up after you and it's horrifying 
Here, Graham gives us a little peek behind the curtain, the not-so-glamorous part of working with flowers. I think that's maybe when people kind of think, oh, yeah, it's just flowers, you know. It's, it's People think that, oh, you know, you must have such a great time. You work with flowers all the time. You're always surrounded with flowers. And realistically, we're not always have a fresh face. We don't we don't dress in nice clothes. I'm dressed in boots. I'm dressed in overalls. I have I have leaves in my pockets all the time. And you know, when you start doing your laundry after that, I'm like, oh great. I've got like, you know, lots of stuff that I forgot was in there and <laughs> 45 leaves. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is it sad when you have to throw away the flowers after the wedding or after the event? I think it is sad if I had the chance to step back and look back. I think it's sad. So what I try and often do is that I try and bunch up flowers so that the couple can give back to the guests. Or recently, I've been trying to work with a local charity where I can pass on the flowers to someone that might appreciate it a little bit more. I think the reality is that floristry is a very high waste stage career because there are flowers that are always being wasted unless you count your stems correctly. They're always going to be leftovers. So as much as possible, I try not to waste flowers and right at the end of an event I try and bunch them up prep them for the next thing but unless they're not in a great condition I usually put them to a compost because you know putting stuff back into compost does great things for the earth. Graham and his team work to minimize waste and to curate personal pieces of floral art for his clients. I wanted to know what the most rewarding part of his work is. I think that comes in a very two-pronged approach. I think, first of all, I get a lot of validation in terms of the flowers and, and it is so much more than the actual product. I think being able to create something beautiful and meaningful to someone, I think that is far beyond the cost of any flower. And I think that's something that it's almost like you want to cherish that, put it in a little bottle and put it beside your bed. And I think that's really immeasurable, that kind of experience. I think recently, when I was doing everyday bouquets during the lockdown, I was doing flowers for, you know, just for a few people. I just did a small curated list of flowers. I suddenly had all these overwhelming messages from people who received the flowers. So these are the people who ordered flowers for themselves. So they knew that they were coming, but they felt there was almost like a spiritual kind of reaction to it where it was almost like bringing something something beautiful into their house and it really made their day. And that to me really struck me as, okay, I, I'm really doing something special here and it's beyond than just giving some someone something beautiful. It's, it's almost like reaching really deep into the cockles of their heart and finding like a little gemstone there. And, and I think that's something beautiful. I think the other side is being able, because I think at the end of the day, I am an artist and I think the most important thing is being able to be paid for your work. I think that's something that is very important and I think that doesn't really get talked about enough. I think the most common complaint that I get or just in conversation with people about flowers is that flowers are very expensive and I do agree. I think flowers are expensive but there's a very legitimate reason behind it. Here Graham talks more on the cost of flowers. I recently, over the past year, I had a little vegetable pot to myself and instead of growing vegetables, I decided to grow flowers against the, the wishes of everyone around me because we had a little community plot. Everyone was growing pumpkins and tomatoes and I was just <laughs> this wee boy growing flowers. But I think what I wanted to do was grow cut flowers and just to understand the production of it, how much water it takes. And it was incredibly stressful to get five blooms. And I think we really underestimate the amount of effort that I think our local farmers take to produce flowers. So Victoria has one of the biggest and the largest groups of flower farmers there are in Australia. And it's a lot of work. 
I think the bushfires in January and February, I think that really affected the flower growers because the bushfires kind of rage across flower farms and with all their, I guess, their product burned down to the ground, they essentially have no income for the next six months because winter is coming and they would, they would need at least another five months to grow a new crop of flowers. And you kind of really understand that when you're in touch with the product and you, and you understand the prices that come with it because this is water, this is labor. And once it comes through to a florist, we are the ones that are taking time to, I guess, curate something for you and to condition the flowers. And it's very different from getting flowers from a supermarket. Why is it so important for you to create these moments and these memories and these arrangements for people? I think floristry is exhausting, I think. I think physically it's very draining. And with the amount of planning, there's a lot of effort that goes into it. But like the very first wedding I did, just seeing the bride with the flowers for the first time. I think that overwhelming waterfall of emotions that come gives me a lot more joy and it really kind of pushes me far beyond the fatigue. It's it's a passion that kind of never dies and it's something that continuously pushes the craft and being able to provide a service to someone that, that really marries my favourite things. Flowers, creating an experience, creating almost like a local cocoon that captures the best things about an event. Being able to work with flowers is so much more than just being able to deliver a physical okay to someone. And Do you want to be doing this for the rest of your life? I think I do want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I think it is something that I have never gotten tired of. I think one of the best things about floristry is that it comes in events, so every client is different. And it's almost like you're working on a new palette every single time you work with someone. Whether, for example, I've got a bride coming out that the concept of her flowers are based on porcelain Ming vases. So it's whites, it's blues, and it's it's kind of like having that very textural quality of a very delicate Ming vase. But going ahead where I'm working on a bouquet with a very outgoing girl who loves running through grasses. She's a very carefree person. So we're incorporating a lot of grass textures, a lot of bunny tails, a lot of pampas grass. And that itself already provides two very, very distinct kind of palettes and very distinct portfolios that I'm able to work with. And everything is different and everything is special and it means a lot. And it kind of always offers me an opportunity to create something that's new but still kind of bring my style through almost like a different medium. So I, I, I can see myself working on this on a very long time. And it's something that gives a lot to a person as much as it gives a lot to me. I asked Graham whether he thought he would be doing floristry and architecture simultaneously forever as well. I definitely think so. I think architecture and floristry at this point, they kind of have a very beautiful symbiotic relationship where they kind of inform each other. A lot of times when I'm working on architecture, I think about landscaping and how landscaping can kind of enhance a built work, a built architectural form. And then when I work with flowers, I'm always thinking about the space that flowers are going to be in and the type of colour, the type of light that's falling to a space and how that affects colour, texture and bring on the concept. So I think they work in a very cohesive relationship but honestly when you have an 18 hour day it's not funny and you start to question <laughs> all your principles right from the beginning but it's the moment the when of... you see someone getting exactly. your creation that makes it all worth it exactly and what i take back i feel like it's a lot more than i charge for even thinking about it just makes me smile and i think that's something that is really immeasurable it's clear when talking to graham that he's incredibly passionate about flowers and takes a lot of pride in his work I would like to thank Graham Ho for being on the show. I learned so much about the value of floristry, the hard work that goes on behind the scenes, 
and the sensory experience that flowers offer. For more information about Tweed Twigs, you can head to at Tweed Twigs on Instagram or to www.tweedtwigs.com. I'll leave you with Graham and a moment during his career that validated what he does and how special his creations are to his clients. I was setting up for a wedding last year for a bride who has now become a close friend. And in the kind of rush and the busyness of doing an installation within an hour or so, just as I was heading out from the event, I actually bumped into the bride's grandmother. And, you know, she had to use the bathroom, so she went in first. She, so she, you know, she, she could take in the space before anyone else. She suddenly came up to me and I was like, who's this person? And then she said, oh, I'm so-and-so, I'm, I'm the bride's grandmother. And I just wanted to say that what you have done with your flowers is far beyond anything that I've expected. It is so beautiful and I am so glad that I'm able to enjoy this ceremony with your flowers because I think no one else could have done it. And in that kind of sense of where you're kind of battling fatigue and trying to think about what to do next, there's that little small little window of clarity where, oh my god, someone's actually thanking me for their work. And it's someone out of the blue and it could be a stranger, but having that conversation with someone who was really touched by the creation and, you know, who's not bothered about the number of stems, the cost of it, and just really just sitting in there and basking in the experience and having an emotional connection to it, I think that was really something that I've kind of always gone back to think about. Thanks for listening to another episode of How Do You Do That with Emily Tresseter. If you think you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, get in touch. Email howdoyoudothat at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.